I'd like you to, to turn in your Bibles to Luke chapter 23. We'll be reading from Luke 23 and Luke 24. As is custom at Sweet Communion, I'll be reading from the English Standard Version, the ESV, so you can follow along with me at home. From Luke 23, I'd like to start at verse 44, read through the end of the chapter, into chapter 24 through verse 12. Luke 23, starting at verse 44. Let's give respect to the reading of the Word of God. It was now about the sixth hour, and there was darkness over the whole land until the ninth hour while the sun's light failed, and the curtain of the temple was torn in two. Then Jesus called out with a loud voice and said, Father, into your hands I commit my spirit. And having said this, he breathed his last. Now when the centurion saw what had taken place, he praised God saying, certainly this man was innocent. And all the crowds that had assembled for the spectacle, when they saw what had taken place, returned home beating their breasts. And all his acquaintances and the women who had followed him from Galilee stood at a distance watching these things. Now there was a man named Joseph from the Jewish town of Arimathea. He was a member of the council, a good and righteous man, who had not consented to their decision and action. And he was looking for the kingdom of God. This man went to Pilate and asked the body of Jesus. Then he took it down and wrapped it in a linen shroud and laid him in a tomb cut in stone, where no one had ever yet been laid. It was the day of preparation, and the Sabbath was beginning. The women who had come with him from Galilee followed, and saw the tomb and how his body was laid. Then they returned and prepared spices and ointments. On the Sabbath, they rested according to the commandment. But on the first day of the week, at early dawn, they went to the tomb, taking the spices they had prepared. And they found the stone rolled away from the tomb. But when they went in, they did not find the body of the Lord Jesus. While they were perplexed about this, behold, two men stood by them in dazzling apparel. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has, re- but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. And returning from the tomb, they told all these things to the eleven and to all the rest. Now it was Mary Magdalene and Joanna and Mary the mother of James and the other women with them who told these things to the apostles, but these words seemed to them as idle tale. And they did not believe them. But Peter rose and ran to the tomb, stooping and looking in. He saw the linen cloths by themselves, 
and he went home marveling at what had happened. Give our attention to the reading of God's word, which our comfort comes. I'm going to bow in a word of prayer. After prayer, we're going to hear the preaching of God's word this morning. And then after the message, a, a song, special music. So would you bow with me in a time of prayer? We're thankful, Father, that we can gather and worship today, whether we worship in our homes or present, on this significant day that we celebrate the resurrection of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. May we not let the events of this time overshadow what is most significant, and that is the gospel message that Jesus died on the cross for the sin of sinners. He paid in full for those who would trust in him. And he was resurrected on the third day just as he himself prophesied. He is risen and he is alive today, seated at your right hand, Father. We thank you for that. He has completed that portion of our salvation by paying for our sin. Your Holy Spirit has called and is calling your people to himself. And you are saving people today because of what Jesus has done. So we thank you for this. We thank you that we have heard your message of the gospel. Your Holy Spirit has spoken to our hearts and drawn us to you and caused us to be born again. We thank you for that. We will pray, Lord, as this message goes out that you would continue to speak your gospel. You would bring life into spiritually dead individuals and draw them to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray for our communities today. We would pray, Lord, that this time might be used to cause them to reflect on you, your son, the Lord Jesus Christ, and your goodness to us. May we be reminded that the, that the sickness and the virus that goes around reminds us of the curse that's on this earth that we all suffer from. And the only redemption from that and all else that goes with it is the shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And we have life when we trust in him. So may people be drawn to that and focus on that and not let that be ignored or put to the side. We do pray for your people here, several who have been affected in one way or another by the things that are going around, and we just pray that you will continue to, to, be, to keep them safe and to guard them. And we pray, Lord, that you would cause our people, people of Sweet Communion and your people all over, to not be slack during this time. This is a time when people can take off from worship and it is hard to get back into that right mentality and, and uh, discipline of not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together as you have commanded us to do. 
So while we, uh, while we are away, Lord, we pray that when that time comes, when we're free to worship, that we will do that wholeheartedly. And even now, Lord, as we come here today to worship because that's what you commanded us to do, we pray for your protection of us. Pray that you would guide and you would direct our hearts and that our focus still might be on worship to the Lord Jesus Christ. We pray all these things now in Jesus' name. Amen. A bit dangerous for me to speak when the timepiece that I rely on that's right in front of me isn't working. <laughs> Which means I have the freedom to speak as long as I like and Especially since I'm on video, it can just go on and on and on, but I'll try to resist that temptation. Today I'd like to speak a special message for the time of our resurrection celebration. There's so much information that's available through the internet and it just gives us access to so many things. Now, it just made me think about what is so special about resurrection. Just pause and think about that for a moment. What is so special about Resurrection Sunday? You'll notice that often we, we call it just that Resurrection Sunday because uh, I, I don't really know what Easter means, but I know what resurrection means. And I know that's what we, we really celebrate is the fact that Jesus Christ was resurrected from the dead, that he died on the cross for the sins of his people, and he came back to life. He rose again from the dead. What significance is that? Well, think about it. Currently, statistics show us that there's about 7.8 billion people in the world, living in the world today, 7.8 billion people. Let me give you another statistic. All 7.8 billion of those individuals will die. Every one of them will die because human life is limited and ends in death. Now, I know you say the Lord can return and some may go straight from living to glory, and that's true. But for the most part, those who have been given life will end their lives. And so every living person at some point will die. Now, I've stated the statistic. I don't have the statistic for how many people throughout our history have lived on the earth. But those who have lived in the past have all died. And there's never been an individual who has spoken and prophesied that he will die and raise himself up again and then to pull it off. Never in the history of mankind has that happened except for this once. So what is the significance of the resurrection? Jesus said that he would do it, he did it, 
and he leaves it for us to proclaim it. So those really are the three points I'd like to share with you today. Jesus said that he would do it. In John chapter 2, verse 19, Jesus answered them, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. The Jews then said, it has taken 46 years to build this temple, and will you raise it up in three days? But he was speaking about the temple of his body. When therefore he was raised from the dead, his disciples remembered that he had said this, and they believed the scriptures and the word that Jesus had spoken. It's a powerful message here. It says, Jesus said this before it ever happened. And after it happened, the, the, his disciples reflected back on what he said, and that caused them to believe the scriptures and to believe Jesus and to trust in him. So we share this message for the same purpose today. This is what Jesus said. When we see that he fulfilled exactly what he said, it should cause us then to believe on him and to tell others that they might believe in him as well. Those who heard Jesus say this were confused. He was given an answer to their question, and their question came about because of what he had done. Jesus had gone into the temple, and he cleared it out of all the people who were selling animals for sacrifice right in the temple. He cleared them out. And so, the Jews of that day said, hey, who gave you the authority to do this? Show us a sign that you have authority to do what you just did. And this is Jesus' answer to their question. Here's my sign. He says, destroy this temple, and in three days I will raise it up. So he was, he was using the event that he had cleared the temple of those who had brought wrong into it. And he says, when you destroy this temple, I'll raise it up too <laughs> in three days. And they were caught off guard, didn't understand what he meant. And as you'll see later in some of the Gospels, they came to realize he was prophesying not only his death, but his resurrection. He was saying, you will destroy this temple, his body, but he would raise it up. Notice in that declaration, he's also saying he himself would raise it up. That's a very strong statement. Don't take that lightly. Other passages tell us that it's God the Father who raised Jesus from the dead. It's the Holy Spirit that gave him life again. And that's not unusual because when we think of, when the Bible speaks of creation, it includes all of the Trinity in this act because they act together. Jesus says he has the power and will display that power to raise himself from the dead. Notice with me several passages, and each one of these will be in Matthew. So turn to Matthew 16 with me. And we're going to see how Jesus made it clear what was going to happen. When you read the Gospels, message of Jesus' death, his resurrection, 
you see, many times you see a picture of the, the disciples in dismay, not understanding why this is happening at this time. But when you see what Jesus shared with them, you would wonder, why would they be in dismay? He told them exactly what was going to happen. They're in dismay because they failed to believe what Jesus was saying. Look with me in Matthew chapter 16, verse 21. This happens right after the event when Jesus asked his disciples, what who do men say that I am? And several answered what the people were saying. And then Peter said, we believe you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Soon after that, in verse 21, it tells us, from that time, Jesus began to show his disciples that he must go to Jerusalem and suffer many things from the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and on the third day be raised. Now, that seems pretty plain. He, he's speaking in, in, in very clear language what's going to happen. He begins to share that with his disciples. Chapter 17 of Matthew, verse 9. And as they were coming down the mountain, Jesus commanded them, tell no one of the vision until the Son of Man is raised from the dead. That's right after what we call the Mount of Configuration, Transfiguration. Transfiguration, I'm sorry, that he says, don't let people know exactly what happened until I'm raised from the dead. He again makes it clear. In that same chapter, Matthew 17, verse 22 and 23, as they were gathered in Galilee, Jesus said to them, the Son of Man is about to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him, and he will be raised on the third day. They were greatly distressed. Jesus over and over again is making it clear to his disciples that he's going to be killed and he's going to be raised again and that on the third day. Matthew 20, verse 17. 17 through 19. And as Jesus was going up to Jerusalem, he took the 12 disciples aside. And on the way he said to them, See, we are going up to Jerusalem, and the Son of Man will be delivered over to the chief priests and scribes, and they will condemn him to death and deliver him over to the Gentiles to be mocked and flogged and crucified, and he will be raised on the third day. Again, Jesus makes it clear he's going to be killed by crucifixion, and that he is going to be raised, not months later, years later, he's going to be raised on the third day. He's very specific as to what he's saying. Then one more passage in Matthew, Matthew 26. Matthew 26, the first two verses. When Jesus had finished all these sayings, he said to his disciples, You know that after two days the Passover is coming, and the Son of Man will be delivered up to be crucified. And skip down to verse 31 and 32. 
Then Jesus said to them, you will all fall away because of me this night, for it is written, I will strike the shepherd and the sheep of the flock will be scattered. But after I am raised up, I will go before you to Galilee. Now, the very night before it happens, he tells them again. He cautions them again. He foretells of his death and of his resurrection. It seems that each time he speaks of his death, he also speaks that again, he's going to be raised from the dead. He is clear in that statement. He said this would happen, and he said he would be raised again. Now turn with me to Luke chapter 24. Verse 5 and 6. Luke 24, verse 5. And as they were frightened and bowed their faces to the ground, the men said to them, Why do you seek the living among the dead? He is not here, but has risen. Remember how he told you while he was still in Galilee, that the Son of Man must be delivered into the hands of sinful men and be crucified and on the third day rise. And they remembered his words. In other words, it's not something that hadn't been told them before. The, the angels there at the tomb were there to announce and to tell these women what had happened. And they simply reminded them of Jesus' own words. Remember what he said when he was with you? That he would be killed. Yes, but he would be raised again, and specifically on the third day. Jesus did exactly what he said he would do. He said it, and then he did it. Just like he said, what's left for us to do is to proclaim it, to believe it ourselves, and to tell others about it. It is the most significant event in all of history that Jesus was resurrected from the dead because of what it means. He said he would do it, but the significance is, is that it shows God's approval on his work and on his life that on the cross he paid for the sin of those who would trust in him. And God accepts that payment. In fact, God says an amen to that when Jesus rose from the dead. It's God signaling that this is just as I planned. And it brings forth the salvation of my people. Let's look at a few passages that we should keep in mind. Matthew 28, verse 18 and 19. This is after Jesus' resurrection. He was... He had spent some time teaching his disciples, and he, now he was about to ascend into heaven. 
says in verse 18, Jesus came and said to them, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I've commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. He gives a message for his believers for the rest of this age. And that is we are to go and proclaim this gospel of Jesus' death and his resurrection. Proclaim it so that men and women and boys and girls might hear and believe and turn to Christ. In Acts chapter 1, verse 8, again, a very similar scene. Jesus is risen from the dead. He's instructing his disciples before he returns to heaven. And he says this, But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He says, you will be my witnesses. Witnesses of what? You'll be witnesses of this truth that Jesus proclaimed that he would die, he would be crucified, but he'd be raised again on the third day. You are to be witnesses, he says to his disciples. Turn with me to Romans chapter 1, verse 1 and following. Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, set apart for the gospel of God, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures, concerning his son, who was descended from David according to the flesh, and was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord. It talks about Jesus' resurrection as declaring him or proof that he is who he says that he is. In Acts chapter 2, follow along with me, verse 22. After Jesus' resurrection, Peter now begins to proclaim this truth as Jesus had commanded them to do. In verse 22, he says, Men of Israel, hear these words. Jesus of Nazareth, a man attested to you by God with mighty works and wonders and signs that God did through him in your midst, as you yourselves know. This Jesus delivered up according to the definite plan and foreknowledge of God, you crucified and killed by the hands of a lawless man. God raised him up, loosing the pains of death because it was not possible for him to be held by it. In Acts chapter 3, verse 13 through 15, Peter speaks again with a message. The proclamation of the gospel in verse 13, he says, The God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, the God of our fathers, glorified his servant Jesus, 
whom you delivered over and denied in the presence of Pilate when he had decided to release him, but you denied the holy and righteous one and asked for a murderer to be granted to you. And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead. To this we are witnesses. He's simply proclaiming this message that Jesus told him to proclaim with the most significant event in all of history, that Jesus said he would do it, and he would do it this way, and he did it just as he said it now. The disciples, the believers, are simply proclaiming that to the world. Let's continue in Acts chapter 4, verse 8 through 12. Peter has another opportunity to proclaim this truth. Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers of the people and elders, if we are being examined today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, by what means this man has been healed, let it be known to all of you and to all the people of Israel that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, whom God raised from the dead, by him this man is standing before you well. This Jesus is the stone that was rejected by you, the builders, which has become the cornerstone. And there is salvation in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given among men by which we must be saved. Again, he's simply proclaiming the truth and revealing the significance of this truth that Jesus was crucified and he was raised from the dead. In 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 1 and following. Now I will remind you, brothers, of the gospel I preached to you, which you received and which you stand, and by which you are being saved, if you hold fast to the word I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. For I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins according, in, in accordance with the scriptures, that he was buried, that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. So again, Paul simply proclaims the message of the gospel, that message that has the power when we hear it, and the Holy Spirit behind it and opens our eyes has the power to save us from our sin. That message is that Christ was crucified for our sins and they rose again. This is in accordance with the scripture. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 12, he says this, Now if Christ is proclaimed as raised from the dead, how can some of you say that there is no resurrection of the dead? So Paul challenges false teaching, and says Jesus is risen from the dead. In verse 19 and 20 of 1 Corinthians 15, he says, If in Christ we have hope in this life only, we are of all people most to be pitied. But in fact, Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruit of those who have fallen asleep. He says, Jesus it has in fact been raised from the dead. You know, that's a fact of history. 
and we come to celebrate that history because we share in the significance of it. That last verse I read, it says this, verse 20, but in fact Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of those who have fallen asleep. First fruits means it's an example, it's a model for others to come. And who will come? Those who have fallen asleep. I like the way the Word of God speaks of death for those who believe in Christ and simply fallen asleep. Because it's not the end of all things. That's why so many people are reacting today. You know why the, 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 the virus is, is so much on our radar and it's spoken of. You can't turn the TV on with even our commercials talk about this virus. You know why that's so significant? It's because we're all vulnerable to death. And we know what that means. That's the end. Most, most significant today, more than any virus that has the possibility to kill us, is the fact that Jesus is raised from the dead and gives power to make us alive now and forevermore. What do I mean by that? His resurrection means that if I trust in him, if I believe in him, I have forgiveness of my sins. And even though I may one day die in this physical body, I will live again eternally with God in heaven. His resurrection secures that for those who trust in him. Those who will not trust in him will live after death in God's judgment in hell. The significance of Christ's resurrection. It means he's the first fruits for those who follow him who have fallen asleep. Those who have trusted in Christ who die will be raised again, resurrected because Jesus was resurrected. So this one event has changed all of history. Let us not forget that's the event that we celebrate today and recognize its significance in our lives today. Jesus Christ is risen. He is risen indeed. And all who trust in him will live forever with him because of what he has accomplished in his death and in his resurrection. That is the most significant event. That is the most significant truth that we dare not let anything else overshadow today, tomorrow, and forever. Be comforted in what God has brought about in his plan to redeem us in his work through his son, Jesus, on the cross. Another passage of Scripture says this, if God is for us, and he's proved this by Jesus, who can be against us? In other words, we have nothing to fear of all the other things. Now, that doesn't mean they're not significant and that they can't hurt us. What it means is that even if they do hurt us, we still have nothing to fear because of what Christ has guaranteed for us. Let's walk in that truth today. Let's live in that truth today. Let us worship because of what, let's worship Christ, let's worship God, let's worship the Holy Spirit because of what Christ has accomplished in his death and in his resurrection. Let's pray. And then the choir will come. Our special music.
Father, thank you for the message of your truth, how significant it is. It has changed all of history. Here we stand, April 12, 2020, and that significant truth still has meaning. It has not lost any of its importance or its meaning today. That means that those who come to trust in Christ today will be included as the ones who will be resurrected with Jesus and live eternally with him. We thank you for that truth. We pray, Lord, that those who hear this message would turn immediately to trust Christ, honor him, live for him, and tell others of this most significant event of Jesus' death and his resurrection so that they can be saved as well. Bless us now as we leave and go out from this place. In Jesus' name we pray.